You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 112 called 10 EdTech Tools and Resources to Explore Over the Summer. In this episode, we've collected a list of EdTech tools and resources that we plan on checking out over the summertime. We'll describe each tool or resource and, of course, talk about some of the ways that we can see them being used in the classroom. This is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. Back here with episode 112, we are almost getting into our final month of school. Almost. We still have a month and a half, but as soon as we get over today, I believe that, you know, when you round down, we're down to a month. But this year has gone fast, and then slow, then fast, and now it's going at a snail's pace, I feel. Uh, I don't know about you, but I am just chomping at the bit just to get to the summer yeah it's it, that's the best way to describe the 21 22 school year the the fastest slowest year of all time and um, I'm not sure why it is I think it's a combination of you know still being in this weird covid schooling environment but also not most schools I think are back full-time in person but with masks without masks and you know maybe some re- periods of remote teaching and now we're dealing with this sort of weird, I don't even know, fourth or fifth wave of COVID where it seems like everybody's getting it. It's not a huge deal anymore because of the vaccinations, at least where we're at. And um, so nobody's like in trouble for the most part, but uh, people do have to stay home. So there's tons of teachers out, all kinds of, you know, little mini crises trying to figure out who's watching the kids and a week's worth of sub plans here and there. So it's just, it's just kind of grueling as a way to wrap up the school year. But uh, we're here and we're doing it. Yeah, uh, we're wrapping up the school year, which means summer activities and I guess spring summer activities are happening. And I will tell you that this was this is my 17th year. I'm wrapping up my 17th year in education. Wow. And I have coached all 17 years, uh, one, two, or three different sports uh, each year. But now I feel myself getting out of high school coaching a little bit. And I'm getting more involved in my son's coaching. I'm going to tell a quick story and then I'll, you know, land my plane and come around full circle as to why I am talking about my kids and coaching my kids. But I've been a varsity or or junior varsity coach for 17 years in all these sports, Uh, stemming from soccer to wrestling. I even did a couple years of basketball in there. I've done softball, baseball, and now I'm doing golf. And uh, it was always at the high school level. Now, I find myself helping out with some of my my, my son's teams, uh, basically the four and the six-year-old's teams. And uh, one, I have take, I'm in the process of taking over the U7 baseball travel coach uh, for my oldest son, Bo. And it is so different it is so different and i i can hold their attention for five minutes and i have to come up with these different ways to hold their attention and it's 
absolutely driving me insane because we'll go over a drill and I'll ask this one of the uh, players on the team to repeat the directions and I try to keep them as precise as I can and one kid will raise their hand up to the sky basically jumping out of their shorts to answer and then when I call on him he tells me a random factoid about his day, <laughs> such as my little sister Sarah fell down three times and she laughed on the third one. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's great. <laughs> what about what about the baseball drill? Oh, I have no no clue, no clue. All right, but this happens more than not. So I have found out basically six and seven year old boys the only thing that will keep their attention more than five seconds is potty talk oh yeah like they could be the one kid got hit by a ball it took a bad hop hit him in the face and one of our coaches who's awesome with these little kids speaks their language just went over looked at it made a farting noise and the kid is back on his feet laughing giggling (laughs) having a good time i was like this guy is genius but what i'm trying to say here is every year we get a new batch of kids and every year we need to up our arsenal as to what we could do to relate to these kids. Now that I know how to relate to these kids, I'm able to keep them focused so they can prepare for you know, their next baseball game or practice or whatever it may be. But I think today's collection of tools that we're going to talk about helps us to expand our repertoires a little bit more in order to meet the needs of some of our our kids that might not be strong in our subject area, but might have strengths otherwhere um, in different places that you can bring into your classroom to make them successful. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. So I, I don't know. Was that too much of a stretch? No, that's a good intro because there really is no connecting theme to these 10 tools we're about to feature today. Um, Other than kind of what you said, I think that's a good context for it all. You got to know your audience. You got to know who your students are and know that there's a lot of differences there. Um, I'll just kind of backtrack a little bit. A lot of the bathroom humor stuff, I bet that's going to work with the high school kids too. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. uh, Yeah, I think I'm just going to. I'm going to let the, the coach be my uh, translator Yeah, because he's, <laughs> he's really, really good at it. And I definitely admire that, that, that trait, that skill that he has to connect with these, these uh, six and seven-year-olds because, uh, you know, I really need to skill up a little bit there for, uh, for these practices. I love these kids to death. They're, they're awesome. They're so much fun. But they can't hold their attention we just can't hold their attention for more than a couple minutes so it's just uh just a reminder that you know in order for me to be successful for the team to be successful i need to change the way that i do things to meet their needs and make them successful and if we're able to do that and make everything fun um that's that's just where we need to go so that's uh that's great advice for coaching and for teaching and we think that uh like I said, this collection of tools is, is uh, going to be an, another set of great advice, or at least some great ideas for everybody. Um, so I brought in five picks for today, as did Geis, and we'll probably just bounce back and forth as we share these things. Um, you know, we kind of always do an episode like this that is more geared towards some tools that we haven't learned about 
that we want to in this uh, the summertime, which we are fast approaching, is when we get to do that. So these are some things that I'm going to be investigating and hopefully learning more about as um, you know as we get into that summer period and as school starts to hopefully slow down a little bit and feel like there's some breathing room. And I'll kick it off with my first one. It's called Microsoft Sway. Um, all of the links to these, by the way, you can find in our show notes at gottech.com. Just look up episode 112 when you get there, um, or just Google search Microsoft Sway and you'll find it. Uh, but this is a really cool, I don't know, they don't really describe themselves as anything on the main page, but I, if I was to sort of put together a brief description, it's sort of like a, a digital poster, it seems like. So um, they have, when you go there, they have some templates you can get started with for things like blogs and newsletters, a photo collage portfolio, presentations, resumes, student reports, uh, and, and the list goes on. You can check it out if you go there. Um, but you, if you, you know, can imagine assigning students a different topic and they get to build out this digital poster or this digital portfolio in this really awesome visually engaging way via Microsoft Sway and the page that they get to build there. Um, so the best way to get it, of course, is to check out the, their website. If you scroll to the bottom, they have some examples of previously created Sways, and one of them is on Habitat. So if you go there and scroll down, you essentially feel like you're looking at a website. There's images and text and text boxes and you know, as you scroll, it's very interactive, so things sort of pop in and fly in. Some of them are cool in, in the way they scroll, so you can even choose if it scrolls up and down, so you can scroll left to right, uh, and these, these animations are, are pretty cool, too, to keep it interesting. There's embedded videos and just all kinds of, of awesome stuff that can be incorporated here. Um, you know, we're all, as teachers these days especially, I see it more and more, we're always looking for that thing that is going to capture the student's attention. And that's that's the challenge, right? With your coaching of these little kids now, you know, we're doing it at the high school levels too, just in different ways. And I think Microsoft Sway is not a super commonly used method for a, a project, but I think it could be a great avenue for teachers to explore just for something different and you can modify really any project you currently do to be to be done in the Microsoft Sway environment. So head there, check it out, see if this is something you want to do maybe for your next in-class project. Yeah, I love Microsoft Sway. It's, it's very simple to use. I just pulled it up. I mean, teachers can use this to create newsletters. And over the summer, you don't know what the news is going to be in each month, but you can make the template for each month. That way, when that month comes around and during the school year, all you have to do is add the pictures, the videos, and the typing. Uh, during the summer is a great time to do these types of templates. Figure out what you want to do in your class, whether it's a general newsletter, whether it's a student showcase, whatever it may be, make the templates that you're going to use for next year, and then that part of it is done. So it's going to cut down your your work time, your prep time during a busy work time during the school year, and you're going to get ahead of the game by using some downtime. Maybe it's morning coffee time. When I do my morning coffee or morning tea, that's 25 minutes where uh, my kids are doing some type of activity, 
and they know that I'm at the table and I get to have 25 minutes of me time. What I mean by that is they still yell at me and stuff like that, but that's when I sit down and do something kind of mindless. It's just going through the motions of something, getting my brain ready for the day, but I really like Sway for that. And I think you can also, I, I, I just think it's an awesome way for you to go and get templates started that you might be able to use next year in your classroom. Yeah, I, I agree. So I, you know, I do a, several different poster projects throughout the year, and I think that's probably where I'll try to build this in because uh, that would be the easiest way. It's essentially that's what it is, like a digital poster maker. So I'm pretty excited about it. I think we've talked about this one before, maybe, or, or at least a similar product. It's hard to sometimes keep track these days, but it's definitely a, a one that's worth checking out. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get into my first one. And this is one that I stumbled upon uh, over the last couple of weeks. I have no clue where I saw it, probably on Twitter, because that's where I see a lot of the, the stuff um, that I really want to go and investigate. And this is a phone app. It's called New Profile Pick. And all that you do is you select a picture that you have in your role, or you just take a picture. And what it does is makes this awesome kind of like 3D rendering of your picture. It's hard for me to explain, but it's it's better than a caricature. It's more accurate. Uh, Nick and I used it to make our new logo for this podcast. So we, we used to have that cartoon, uh, two-dimensional cartoon picture of Got Tech, the podcast. We are about ready to unleash this new one uh, we're super excited about it. I think it looks awesome. And it looks like we spent a lot of time on it, but we spent maybe two or three minutes. And I think it's the best image that we could come up with to date. Uh, what do you think, Nick? Yeah, I mean, it looks, the, the new logo, as will be released hopefully soon, it looks like we paid money for it, honestly. But we didn't. And the funny part is we did pay someone to make the original logo and now looking back at the original compared to this new one that was free i, I don't know why we paid for the first one because this new one is is so much better um and it's all this it's all this app it's really incredible new profile pick and i've tried to find apps like this before but a lot of them they charge you because I, I mean i'm not sure why um, but you have to pay for it and new profile pick does have some pay features but totally free to get this like digitally created artists rendering that's what it, lo it looks like somebody sat down and did like a professional drawing i guess of uh of our faces but it just happens in seconds from any picture on your phone's camera roll so super awesome and i think there's lots of ways you could tie this into your classroom maybe you know some kind of digital stickers with your face or have your students design I don't know, badges or tokens of some sort uh, for the, the, the school year at the beginning of the year with their faces on them. And they could use this as like a fun way or an, or an optional way to design those things. Um, we have a lot of teachers now that are doing class podcasting. And maybe, you know, a part of that is designing a logo for that class podcast or show art that gets posted along with those episodes. New profile pic can be something you share with the kids as a way to you know, build out that digital media. So I love this one. How did you end up coming across this? Do you remember? Yeah, I think it was on Twitter, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I feel like someone that I follow on Twitter had to use it. And I was just like, man, that is spot on. 
I, I just can't remember who it was, but I did go and I took a look at new profile pick and I love it. Uh, the difference between the freemium and the uh, paid, by the way, is just four. You get four basic backgrounds, I guess, for your for your image. Okay. Uh, for the free one, if you want more options and advanced options, then you could pay for those. Uh, I think every week, if you go back to the same one that you had, uh, same profile picture, because they save the the pictures in there. Uh, I think they add one new one every week. Okay. And they drop one. So you can go back and check them out week after week and, and get new ones. I believe that's how it's working, but it, it is pretty good. It, it's a solid tool. I would I definitely recommend it. Uh, one thing that I just thought of while you were talking is how to gamify your classroom. So, I mean, next year, if that first activity you want them to do some type of activity all about me, they could use one of these pictures for that project. But then what the teacher could do is take those images and turn them into like coins. So you'll just cut them out in a circle. You could cut them out in a square if you want, print them out and give everybody almost like just a picture with uh, squares or a piece of paper with squares on it. And underneath or in that square is every person's name. And as they do something good throughout the year, you could give them someone's picture. And if they get a duplicate, maybe they could trade with somebody else or whatever. And once their whole card's filled up, then X, Y, or Z happens. They get a homework pass. They get ice cream from the cafeteria. Whatever it may be, they get a pencil. Uh, I mean, I, I know when I was in elementary school, I loved the pencils with the sports teams on it. And uh, basically, every time uh, those pencils were being ordered, I would just not get my ice cream at lunch and I would wait and then I would buy all pencils with my <laughs> ice cream money. But this is a simple way for you to go and, and gamify your classroom while getting making everyone feel important because they're you know, they're a part of that game and they're a part of that experience. And it just shows that the, you know, teachers really value each student in that classroom. So pretty cool. Yep, I love that one, and I also love my next one uh, called Empatico. Empatico is a really great uh, free, oddly enough, because they could easily charge for this one, free way to connect your classroom with other classrooms around the world. Um, and at least as far as I've seen, perhaps the easiest way possible. Typically, when you're doing this and trying to, you know, say, get on a Zoom call with a classroom in India, just for example. It's going to take a decent amount of work. I mean, you got to, you know, use some service to track down this school and make sure that everybody's internet works and the timing works and what are we going to do and collaborate on and all of this stuff. When Patico kind of takes care of all that for you, it does everything all in one. So when you go there, go there to sign up, it's going to ask you to put in some basic information like where you live, what language you speak. I think right now you have to be either English or Spanish speaking um, just to make sure that the classrooms that they connect you with can actually talk to each other. Um, but you put in all that info, stuff about what topics you're teaching and other details. And based on that information, they will find you a set of optional partner classes. 
um, and you get to choose which partner class in which country or city or wherever it is uh, you want to link up with and select them. You're going to first connect with the teacher of that class. So um, you can get online some sort of a, a digital platform call where you talk to that teacher um, about what you're going to do when your two classes meet up. Uh, there's opportunities to share photos and videos back and forth so the kids can sort of start to see each other. Besides all of that, that's automatically done for you. Empatico also has pre-designed activities that the students can do together when they get on this conference call. So you don't have to think about and plan uh, what is the purpose of this, like what are these kids going to do. It's all there. A lot of it is content-based too. So if you're learning, you know, and this is all matched up ahead of time. So if you and a school in Mumbai, a classroom in Mumbai, are learning about the same scientific concept, and have some a, a timing that works out um, they're going to link you guys together automatically and the two groups of students get on this conference call together and it's uh, they can complete this activity a lot of it involves like one student at a time sort of getting up and, and speaking and sharing so the other class can hear and going back and forth so that's called the exchange when the, the this call actually takes place um, and like I said, I think the, the pre-built-in activities are, are, are sort of what makes this, to me, stand out. They have all sorts of things, too, that are going to help you check to make sure that your connection is, is correct and that it works and is powerful enough uh, for when you actually get on this video chat with your partner class. So uh, what, what an awesome way to begin the school year, to end the school year. Maybe if, depending on the type of course you teach, this might come up multiple times throughout the school year. This could even start, who knows, some, you know, a more long-term relationship with that teacher or that class. It could be really cool. There's no apps. There's no downloads. There, it's, it's all free. You can just get on there, sign up, and, uh, and check it out. But, uh, yeah, Empatico, this is, this is a very, very cool service. This is amazing, especially during a time where a lot of people aren't traveling and seeing different cultures and being in the moment in these different areas. This is kind of a way that we can bring this opportunity to students and learn about these other places. I, I really like the fact that they develop curriculum for you to kind of get you going. I'm guessing it's probably some type of team building activity or something like that but i'm right. just looking at all the different resources here uh they have something called empatico expedition and you can go in there and um you can explore like the friendship forest the kindness kingdom the gratitude uh gorge uh identity island the collaboration station uh, there's other things coming soon but it, when you go into these different places I mean, it has everything that you need just right there for you, like you said. And just giving these opportunities to students, I think, is the most important thing here, especially since the last couple of years. We're definitely missing out on the connections piece. I mean, it's definitely lacking. We can see it in our high schools. I mean, our seniors right now really had a half a year. Is that right? The seniors or the sophomores? Uh, seniors, I believe, yeah. Had a half-year regular of school in their high school experience. I mean, that's just absolutely insane. Yeah. And our 10th and 11th graders, some of them haven't been to normal, been in a normal classroom until this year 
for quite some time. So Empatico is probably one of those tools that I would be passionate about to help bridge that gap of just learning how to communicate and interact with other people again while delivering unique experiences. So that's a solid find, Nick. Good work on that one. I'm going to go into my next one. We'll stay with the same theme of around the world. And this is called learn around the world. So learn around the world brings in a lot of different elements, which I like. First of all, they have a lot of free programs. So that's pretty amazing. Uh, They have a free program called uh, GeoShow. Another one is around read around the world Uh, they have free virtual field trips they have a whole program catalog Uh, they have other services that you could use teachers can join the geo club students can join the geo show and read around the world but this is a nonprofit organization and it's it's a huge world out there so there's a lot of places for students and teachers to explore and And what I really like about this is they have free virtual events, such as the free geo show. Uh, It's guided, it's authentic, it's interactive. You have an expert there who shows uh, different things from around the world to people that participate in this free virtual event. They also have read around the world where uh, authors will come share books and illustrators will come share illustrations. Uh, maybe the inspiration behind those and how it works. So you have all these free virtual field trips and free guest speakers that you can access and utilize in your classrooms. And uh, I'm just looking at some of the uh, presentations that were recorded. And this guy is high energy, high motivated, and uh, he looks too cool for me. <laughs> uh, like. He has so much energy. I could just see the younger students, middle school students, really, really, uh, you know, digging them. But there's a whole catalog of videos that you could go and that were recorded, uh, and you can go and check them out and have your students uh, connect and collaborate on these different places and these different opportunities from around the world. So this is learnaroundtheworld.org. So both these tools, uh, the one you just talked about and Empatico, I think remove the biggest hurdle for stuff like this and that that is the planning aspect it's just so much to undertake to sort of build and and plan out these these connections uh, between classrooms and places around the world like this and um, both of those tools do a lot of that groundwork for you so that I think is what makes them awesome Um, my next tool is also I think pretty awesome and it's I'm not really sure what need this fills but i something is drawing me to this for sure and the closest thing to it is a sort of like an online discussion board and i've been trying to find a good one of these for a long time and perhaps this is it it is called synth s-y-n-t-h um synth is an audio only asynchronous conversation creator um which if that doesn't mean much to you you could imagine like a discussion board where there's a topic that is posted by someone the teacher in this case and everybody comments beneath that except with synth it is only audio commenting so that means you don't ever get to just type in your response you have to talk it out and there's a couple of reasons i like that which i'll get into in a second but it's just that simple so when you go there you can first uh, sign up when after you sign up you'll get a chance to create what's called a channel and within that channel Uh, you can invite people to. So this is the stage where you would start inviting your students to your channel that you have created. 
And then within that channel, based on the initial post of whatever you want it to be about, um, the people that have been invited, the participants, can start recording and posting their thoughts that are part of this digital conversation. This, uh, what to me, like I said, feels like a discussion board. Um, it looks very easy to use. That's the first thing I like about it. It's very clean, it's very simple. It's just basically a, this list format of people's comments that you can scroll down through and click play when you wanna hear what uh, they're saying. You can leave, it looks like you can leave text comments on the audio comments. So as a teacher, you can sort of type in feedback that way if you wanted to. Um, I, I like the audio only aspect and I like it because as always with a, something like this, if you're recording your voice, it's a little more personal, you can hear tone and, and that's always helpful with, with discussions. It also means that you have to really plan out what you're gonna say. Um, which I like and if my students were doing this as part of an activity I would really want them to do that right I'd want them to be thinking about what they're gonna say planning out ahead of time so they're not just sort of sitting there and pausing and saying um for 10 hours it's, it's sort of this well thought out response so I'm not really sure how synth is gonna fit in in my classroom if it will but I can tell you uh, that it looks like a really really neat tool that I'm, I'm pretty sure is gonna have a place so check that one out yeah, synth, I believe we talked about synth way back in our first couple of episodes as yeah. a, new, a new tool. And it looks like that they've taken it to the next level. I think that it, there is a place in education for just audio, uh, especially if there's somehow you could give them some type of a prompt or a picture or something like that that they can just talk about. What does this picture mean to you? I mean, you could really put a lot of SEL activities into this and and really go wild there. So I like synth. Uh, let's get into my next one. Uh, pretty excited about this one. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm, I'm looking for ways for my, my oldest son to kinda become a better writer, uh, work on his writing. I mean, he is in no means lacking in writing for his age, but I did notice he is really starting to take interest in art and writing lately. He's writing a lot more. Uh, I know I woke up this morning and I saw an apology note from my oldest son to my wife for acting like a dippy do yesterday. That's what I call it, <laughs> dippy do. Uh, but you know, he was just full of energy and he always is full of energy. You can't get this kid to stop moving, but he does like doing things like workbooks and math. He loves math. But lately, like I said, I see him trying to draw more. I see him try to be creative more and tell stories and, and write stories and things like that. And I really don't care if he spells every word wrong, but I want him to have that outlet. And this next one that I found, even though it's, it's, it's really for any age level that can read at least the minimum amount and write the minimum amount. You could really adapt this to the early ages, but this one's called Story Bird. I really like this one. It's it's part of that whole students as content creators piece that you and I keep talking about. Uh, getting them to create, to get be passionate about what they're doing and to be able to publish and get other people to interact with their work is key. And Storybird allows you to do that. You go there, uh, they have basically three different sections. They have a challenge piece, 
a read piece and a write piece. All right, so challenge, they have over 700 different challenges in different categories. Now these challenges are writing. Basically they just select different pictures and they use those pictures and they write about them. They have long form, so this is your long form stories. Uh, they have comics, so they're just writing in the, they'll, they'll choose the already predetermined images and write their story based on the pictures. Uh, there's a flash fiction section and a poetry section. And they'll get a challenge based on whichever one of those categories that you pick. They'll be able to read the challenge, read other examples, uh, and then they can write their own. And after they write their own, you share them and you know you can have a vote and all that good stuff. But Storybird allows you to work yourself through a unit or an activity or a style or, or a form type gives a student a challenge so that's already bringing in those students that like to be competitive but a challenge doesn't necessarily have to be between students it could also be with themselves so maybe they're doing this at the beginning of the year they'll do it in the middle of the year and at the end of the year and they just see how much they progressed and that's the challenge of being a better form of themselves throughout the year so whether your your class is very competitive with each other and everyone likes to learn that way or they're more of a, they rather challenge themselves. It still has that whole creation, passion project feel to it. And I just, I just love uh, websites like this. So I think what I'm going to do is try to make a picture book or a comic book with my son over the summer. I'm constantly looking for activities uh, so I could keep his learning and not just a free for all throughout the summer. He is going to some camps and things like that, but I think using tech tools like this one and uh, some of the other ones that I chose after this uh, really will help him kind of take his exploration to the next level. Yeah, it's a really awesome tool, and like you said, that challenge aspect is is the best, and the fact that you can do it so many different ways um, within your class, and, and even maybe you know, allowing part of the class to compete against each other if they want. And then for the kids that don't want to do that, allowing them to compete against themselves, as you pointed out, is, is awesome. And the option to do that is awesome. My next tool is called, I don't know how to say it. This is one of those ones you, ha you would have to hear one of the uh, creators describe it. And I probably should have checked out one of their videos beforehand. So I did it right, but whatever, I'll spell it first. It's D-I-I-G-O, which, and I, believe this is another one that we probably mentioned somewhere in the past. I'm going to say Digio as the most likely way to pronounce this, but if I'm wrong, Digio, I apologize as always. Um, but this is, to me, it's like, you know, one of, another one of these tools that lets you gather and collect online resources, almost like, you know, as you would bookmark a web page or add something to a wakelet board kind of. Um, but just with so much other stuff built in to that. There's just like a never-ending list of things that you can do as you collect resources, online resources with Digio. Do you think I'm saying that correctly, by the way? What's your read on the pronunciation? I, yeah. <laughs> we going Digio? <laughs> uh, that's fine. I mean, to me, tomato, tomato. All right. Um, I think just highlighting this tool, this awesome tool, I'm looking at it. I don't know if I've seen this one before, uh, but I just think it's 
this is a gem for sure. All right, I wasn't. You were smiling at me. I wasn't sure if you knew how to say it, and I was saying it wrong. And no, just it's worked. just not how I right. <laughs> pronounced it in my head. But all right. So that either way, it is a great tool. Uh, so at its you know at its simplest, you collect online tools. So as you're scanning the web, you save and tag things, so you can go back to them and find them later. These are things that you might use all the time like a website you're always going back to and you want to have an easy, quick way to do it or something you just didn't have time to fully explore and you don't want to forget about it, so you save it there. Where it goes a little bit above and beyond are some of the other things it offers on top of that, like being able to annotate these web pages or you know maybe a PDF that you find online as you browse and read. So you know highlighting and putting little notes on top of those resources and saving that as part of your bookmark, uh, really great. Uh, their organizing tools are awesome. So sort of like uh, imagine an outline with headings and subheadings and bulleted lists. You're, um, you know, you're going to be able to organize these tools in a similar manner if you want to. This would be good for like, you know, researching or putting references together using something like Digio. And I think that's maybe for my students how it, I might recommend using it if they're doing some sort of a research project. Uh, there's all sorts of great share features. So once you've got a list put together, you can share it out with, you know, colleagues or your class if that's what there is. So, you know, all of these things, bookmarking, uh, tagging those bookmarks so it's more easy to organize your list of tools uh, as you build uh, what they call your own personal library. Um, I mentioned already highlighting that text directly on the web page. Um, some of the other, you know, annotations you can do are uh, like sticky notes on there if you want to remember something or type in a question or if it's a list of resources going out to class you could going out to your class of students you could add sticky notes next to important information for them um, and then putting various groups together so I might have a you know a, a set of resources for a group one group that's my AP chem students and then a different set of resources for a different group and that's my chemistry students and that's what they get so you know I just really like this one for you know the it's it's easy to collect these resources in the way that you can um, add those annotations on, on top of it I think really makes it stand out so if you're looking for something like this maybe check out D-I-I-G-O as an option I think uh I'm just looking at this. There, there's one premium feature, and I, that's what, I mean, all the other stuff, the bookmarks, the tags, the personal library, the highlights, sticky notes, outliners, and groups are all amazing. But the premium feature of allowing you to archive web pages and come back to those even if that site goes down. So I'm thinking to myself, I use a site called Data Nuggets for Science. and they do a good job of keeping, you know, data there from as they add new data from each year that they collect, they keep the old data there. But I know of a couple sites that don't do that. They just put the newest form of the data on the site from the last 12 months. And then after 12 months, it kind of cuts that data off. I'm just thinking I could go there once or twice a year and just hit the archive web page button and have all that information, all that data there for my students. That's just one usage cage, but I don't know. That that's the one that caught me, caught my eye. Uh, I hate having to. I don't know. Just count on other sites to 
always be running. I always have that fear of this is an awesome resource. What if it goes away? How can I keep this resource in case it does go away? And I think this is a great way to do that. So another fantastic option from Nicholas Johnson. Um, something I, I was trying to find it as you were talking, but the, the idea of archiving websites for fear that they will change over time. I just learned about um, a website. It's a government thing. It's a United States government catalog. And literally what this does, it's a website. You can go there and search uh, for old versions of websites that are, are saved over time. This is totally separate from Digio, by the way. I just as you were talking about that, that feature, it made me think of it. And I was trying to search it up, but I, I forget what it is. So I'll, I'll share it in an upcoming episode if this is something people are interested in. But it's so cool. So like any website that has ever existed, um, and if you want that maybe goes away and is deleted or they update, you can go to this U.S. government website and search for that and and view it and pull that up and you know me and one of the other tech coaches here were just helping a teacher who wanted some old website that no longer exists because he uses the information there for this project and he couldn't find it anymore and we were able to find that website via this you know government archive thing it's bugging me that i can't uh, find the name of this thing but we were able to find the website that this teacher uses pull it up and share that link out so he can still keep doing this activity. Um, and it's, you know, it's a government thing, so it's all out there for everybody. So try and find that for an upcoming episode. I, I do know of, of one tool. I'm not sure if it's the one that you're thinking of. Yeah. It's called Wayback Machine. I'm not sure if that's the, the one be. that you were talking about. But uh, let's get into my next one. This one is absolutely amazing. This, this is something that I could see... Uh, just people looking at just because it's so cool. It's called Celestia. Uh, Celestia.space is the website. And it allows you to view real-time 3D visualization. Visualize. Can you say that word for me? <laughs> uh, visualizations? Yeah, anything over two syllables I struggle on. It's a but, tough one. <laughs> yeah, visualizations of space. Uh, it's all free. Um, it allows you to explore the universe in three dimensions. You can do this on Windows, uh, iOS, Linux, Mac OS, and Android. Uh, just some of the pictures that they're able to get and renderings that they're able to get, I mean, just blows my mind. It's so cool. You can look at it in different directions. It has also on this program a 3D space simulator. I know this is a niche uh, there, there are students, it's kind of like my sons, none of them seem to like dinosaurs. I don't understand why. I mean, I was obsessed with dinosaurs, but I wasn't obsessed with playing with toys. But dinosaurs, I remember being obsessed with. Right. I'm like, oh, this is a Tyrannosaurus. They're like, yeah, okay, cool. I was like, all right, well, I guess Jurassic Park is out of your, your future. Uh, but I, I see this one as being very interesting to a lot of younger students but also to adults and high school students just being able to go look at the you know different ways of looking at space and the galaxy and different planetariums and and all that stuff you're able to see all these um, all these objects from space I think it's just 
amazing. And to look at the photo gallery of the different planets, ah, some of these some of these pictures are just absolutely mind blowing. So I would check out Celestia and uh, some other other things real quick because I just stumbled on this uh, virtual textures. Uh, so these are extremely high resolution textures or close up features on planetary surfaces that they could see. There's also audio playing. So background music um, that gives them a greater effect of, of what I guess the image is trying to portray. And it also gives trajectories. So it supports the different types of trajectory data, like orbits and things like that, spacecraft paths, uh, all that good stuff. So this is definitely one to check out, especially if you have a kid that is super interested in space. Yeah, nice work finding this one. For me, that's the tool of the show because it's it's so cool. And it, I don't think it has to just be for, you know, a science teacher or someone teaching a, a astronomy or an astronomy unit. I think there's lots of neat ways you could tie this in. Uh, so just, just take a look at it. I'm sure you'll be inspired like I was kind of scanning through these images. And that brings me to my last tool. We'll have one more after this for your final selection. But... I mean, my last one, who, who doesn't need more options for video creators, right? I mean, this is like number 5,010 that we have a choice from these days as teachers when creating videos, and it's called Simple Show, or uh, Simple Show Video Maker, I guess, to be exact. So it kind of reminds me of, I, maybe the closest thing would be Powtoon, although I don't think you have as much control as you do in Powtoon, which if that sounds like a negative, it may be, but here's the positive spin on that. When you go to Simple Show, their whole thing is making these unique looking videos very fast, very easy, with minimal effort by you. So that's how it's gonna separate itself out from something like Powtoon, where these little cartoons are moving in your video. Um, for this one, in Simple Show, it kind of does that for you. So when you go there and sign up, you can choose from a bunch of different templates that they have, these storyline templates, they call them, uh, for whatever topic. Um, you can also upload like a PowerPoint file that you have. I think it has to be PowerPoint. doesn't seem like Google Slides are going to work. But um, you can use that as a, as a starting point if you want or just one of their templates. Um, the next thing you get to do is, is type out a script. So you type in the text for this and you know, put in whatever you want the video to say. And, and they've got some advice from experts and stuff there that you can use as you're typing out this script. The cool part is that, you know, Simple Show then makes the video for you automatically. So they call it their explainer engine. I'm assuming that's some type of AI software or, or something that does this in the background for you. It's going to generate a, a storyboard. You can fine-tune it from there, so you have the option to edit this um, or, or sort of adjust the things that their, their explainer engine puts together. Uh, but the key is that it does it for you. And then when it's all said and done, you, you make some final selections like video speed, um, a voiceover that you want to use. And then when it's all said and done, you can push it straight to YouTube, which I know is where I put most of my video stuff. So... I have not gone through this whole process of creation myself. So a lot of the details within there, I'm, I'm not exactly sure on, but I've done a bunch of research on their site and that does seem to be the process. And it it's very intriguing. And if you, if you go there, 
and you look at some of their videos, they look great, you know, and they boast all sorts of companies that have made their, you know, ads via uh, Simple Show Video Maker. It's it's all sort of cartoon based, like these little um, like professional looking images, like clip art almost, uh, graphics that move and and and. Um, you know, kind of become part of this video. They do have a whole education section and several of their examples are like, here's how to build a math tutorial with Simple Show. So a, a big part of this is geared towards that. So check it out. Maybe this is the tool for you when it comes to making videos for your class. Yeah, this is just another great example of an awesome content creation tool, supports creativity. Uh, I do not think that this is probably going to be something that you know a whole school may use but I do right. think that this is something that maybe a class can use maybe through a PTO grant or something like that uh, I just I don't know there's something about this that is visually appealing and easy to use I mean if students all they have to do is the writing and everything else is kind of made for you I think that's almost a match made in heaven because Oftentimes, we're looking either for the illustrations if you're an art teacher or we're looking for the writing if you're an English teacher or science teacher or something like that. Uh, so having something be able to do the drawings for you that makes sense just based on how you write and what you write, I think that is a great way to make something awesome. I mean, just... It saves time. It's it's exactly what we would want in a classroom if we're a content-based teacher and we don't have a lot of time to dedicate students to go out and make their own pictures or find their own pictures, things like that. So check out this one for sure, Simple Show Video Maker. That's a solid find. Yeah, and just to be clear, they you know when you type in the your your storyboard for this or um, you know, kind of describe what is supposed to be the storyline, sorry, describe what's in the video and, and do the text. They, their explainer engine, they pick the images. You don't have to select the images. You can adjust them, but they pick them for you based on your text. And they narrate it if you want. You can also record your own voice if you prefer. But, you know, my pitch being, it does a lot of that work for you just by you sort of typing in what the storyline is going to be. So an interesting one to check out for sure. All right, let's get into my last one, and I think this is the last one of the show. This one is called The Project Noah Global Community. All right, it's under the Project Noah um, website, projectnoah.org. And I really like this one because it allows everyone to become a naturalist. You go outside, you go for a walk, you take pictures of bugs or little critters, frogs, salamanders, toads. Uh, birds, whatever you want, and you can publish them to this global community. So it allows people from all over the world to take a look at other people's nature. I think it's awesome. On this site, they have a collection of wildlife spottings, the pictures. Um, they have some geotagged wildlife photographs, so it will show exactly where that picture was taken. So maybe there's a couple of geotagged pictures in your area. Maybe you can go out and have a little scavenger hunt and try to find those geotagged animals in those areas. Uh, and then it also has a spot for you to do your journalist and uh, entries. So you're making a nature journal. You're actually going through the process of becoming a journalist. So 
you know, maybe this is going to be a Monday activity, especially if you're at a school that has a lot of wildlife or insects, things like that. Uh, maybe the first Friday of every month you go for a nature walk, 30 minutes, they have to find an organism. Remember, that could be a plant or animal. And they'll have to take pictures of it and write about it. And at the end of the year, you're going to have a collection of, I don't know, 30, 40 entries that allow you to kind of go back and reflect on it while participating in this global community outreach program. This is, yeah, this is great. Um, my favorite part of the website is what, what they call missions. And you can create your own mission, or it looks like you can join uh, some of the ones that are here too and sort of be part of it. But a mission is like what it sounds like. You just sort of set some goal. Like here's an example on some of their featured missions called the Lost Ladybug Project, where people try and find pictures and catalog different types of ladybugs that they see and post them. This one has over 5,000 members to it. Uh, some of the other missions here are butterflies and moths of the world, global dragonflies and damselflies, international spider survey. And you mentioned if you're a school that's near nature, I mean, things like spiders are everywhere. You don't, you could do this probably in any school environment and get your students noticing that nature is everywhere, sort of no matter where you are. Um, but it's just sort of a, a neat way, a neat aspect in getting at the, um, you know, something I love now is the, the, this idea of citizen science, where you don't have to be a scientist to contribute to the body of scientific data, where people are taking pictures of living things and posting it, then that becomes data that, you know, scientists can use to know that this type of moth was here at this place at this time. And that, that can be important information that the world can use. And this looks, uh, you know, Project NOAA looks like a great easy way for your students to be a part of that. Yeah, so going more on what this uh, site has to offer, they have nature lessons in their, their Project NOAA nature school. So if you go in there, there's a lesson on spiders, chipmunks, turtles, owls, some of the most common uh, animals that you could find uh, in areas. They have an animal tracks lesson. I know I did cool. that. I, I took my ninth graders out uh, when I did biology, and we would look for basically evidence of animals without seeing the animals. So we looked at different, well, I guess we'll bring this episode full circle, scat. We looked for scat and tried <laughs> to identify it. There you go. Uh, we, we looked for footprints, rubs, uh, things like that. There's a camouflage lesson that's pretty solid. Uh, there's a classification lesson, and they show an example of an owl's preview. So it's an owl's field guide for kids, uh, special owl adaptation, silent flight, uh, owl ecology, owl pellets, and owl digestion. That's all. all of, that's an awesome lesson in itself. They like to dissect the uh, owl pellets. Um, the different types of species, how they reproduce. Uh, they talk about the owls in North America and how we could help conserve our owl population so owl conservation so all awesome stuff you you see a lot of videos uh, that are found on youtube but they have them in good collections here of organisms that do awesome things that's going to keep their attention uh, the hondorian white bats that one looks pretty awesome uh, as I, I as i scroll through it but definitely check out 
Project Noah. I think this is an awesome one for just people that are interested, people that want to ask questions about nature. They have a lot of questions. Uh, younger students, I think this is this is great just for them to explore. The older students, I think this is great to kind of work backwards. Here's a very elementary version of an animal. All right, now you have to take that animal and you have to figure out how man-made problems are impacting this animal and kind of give them a STEM project out of it. I think this would be a great spot for that. So that is our last EdTech tool that we're going to share today. Yep, that's it. Those are 10 things that we're going to be checking out this summer. Hopefully there's some stuff for you guys to check out as well. Uh, so to wrap it up, as always, if you like the show, do us some favors, everybody. Subscribe to Got Tech on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, however you're listening on YouTube where we post some shows and some promos and other stuff. You can subscribe there. Follow us on Twitter at Nick Got Tech, at Geis Got Tech, or the show at We Got Tech. We're on Facebook, too. If you really like the show, write us that Apple podcast review. That's the best thing you can do for us besides telling your friends about our show or about educational podcasts as a whole. Tell them about gottech.com, our website where we post blogs, resources, and episodes. And if you're going to do that, you might as well tell them about the Teach Better Podcast Network also, which we're super proud and excited to be a part of, where you can find us and tons of other really great educational podcasts. So that wraps it up for episode 112. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.